0: We are in part eight of our Discovering the Supernatural series and I entitled today's message, Discovering Heaven. I'm gonna give you the fill in the blank here in a moment so I just wanna encourage you that if you are watching online, make sure that you fire that up, right? The app, right? You can take the notes along with us and take some notes on the app itself but I'm gonna give you that fill in the blank in a moment. All right, so let's talk about a couple things. You know, before we have a, a knowledge and a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a yearning in our spirit. I don't know how many of you remember that. Was it a long time ago? Are you experiencing that right now? Was it recent for you? But there was a yearning in our spirit, kind of like a longing, a a need, and usually it kind of felt more than it was something that you thought. You would feel it and kind of go, something's not Right, And almost always, it begins with a longing for purpose, a longing for meaning. Does any of this stuff matter? Who cares about this life? Do I matter? Do you remember, do any of you remember that feeling of, please tell me that I'm loved? Please tell me that something is valuable in this life. And then all of a sudden, we, we find out about Jesus Christ. We ask him into our lives. We repent of our sins, and, and we're saying, God, I don't want to be in charge anymore. I want you to do it. I want you to pick me up and make me who you design me to be. And when we make that transformation, right, That something ignites in us and it's powerful. You all know that eternal life begins at that moment, not at the moment you die, amen? That means that right now in this life, we are connected to our God. We have the ability to communicate with him, to receive from him, to be anointed. We have that authority, we have that power, right? So we are connected, the Bible calls us partakers of of the divine nature, that we come alive. And when some of us first had that, that understanding that we were forgiven, the understanding that we are now stepping into perpetual grace, we The earthquake in our spirit was so significant, we even felt it out in our bodies. There were some of us that when we got saved, there were tears, you know what I'm talking about? There were some of us when we got saved, there was chills. There were some of us that when we got saved, there was a lightness that felt like it was lifting off of our shoulders. And we thought, finally, I'm loved. Finally, I have meaning. Finally, I will never be ultimately alone again. And it was like all the core needs of your life began to be fulfilled. And the more and more you grew and you learned, you kept seeing more richness come from Jesus. And you would think everything's good. But what you discovered is a new yearning showed up, a new longing showed up. And you're thinking, wait, I thought I got everything I needed, but now your expectations shifted. Now that you know there is a heaven, you start looking at earth going, oh man, this is messed up right now that you know you can pray for somebody and sometimes god radically heals them you're like well i want everybody getting healed like you know what is happening here and you you look out at the world and you see oh there's this gap between me and what god is making me and and oh i got this new longing this new yearning right Because you're starting to elevate how you see things can be. You see heaven, you see earth, and you're like, there is a chasm between those. How in the world is God going to get me where he needs to get me? How is he going to get me from here to there? And we have all these questions in our minds, all these thoughts, right? And we're wondering, God, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So we start digging into God's word And we're looking for the greater understanding of how God is gonna transform us. And we realize even now, God is doing things to draw us into him so that heaven will be more familiar as opposed to a dramatic shock, right? Because you've already started that eternal life process, that relationship process. Even now, he's breathing hints of heaven into us. He's preparing us for this next life, and this is the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. God is making us fit for heaven. God is making us fit for heaven. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's working with and he's gonna get us there. And he knows exactly what we need. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. If you need a Bible, as I mentioned earlier, there should be one under the seat in front of you. It is page 961, 961. Get you there a little faster. I'm reading out of the ESV version, all right? Read a little bit, talk a little bit, read a little bit. Now, if you're brand new with us, we've been walking through the end of the book of 1 Corinthians. And in this we've been opening up other people's mail. The Apostle Paul was engaging with a church that was very renegade. They didn't like him being their pastor, they didn't like his accountability, they didn't even like his theology. You gotta remember, Paul's kind of the core who set up all the theology of Christianity from Jesus Christ, right? So he's like the master, but once again, if you know the dude and he's in your church, You just resist him anyway. Like, we would all be like, yeah, it'd be so awesome to have Paul as our pastor, right? Well, they didn't, they weren't having it. So there was a lot of like rebellion and animosity. So he writes them a very corrective letter. This letter, Paul's coming in hot. He's like, man, you guys are a mess. As a matter of fact, you got leaders in your church that are messing with core doctrine issues. That's a no no, right? He's like, man, you've been messing with the gospel. Let's re-rack. The gospel's super simple. Jesus Christ, the son of God, because of love, came down here and lived a perfect life to trade with yours. He died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again so that you might be saved. That's it. Don't make it more complicated. Now, you guys are starting to mess with stuff like, oh, there's no resurrection of the dead. Of course there is. We're Christians, the whole principle of Christianity hinges that he got up. And if he got up, you get to get up. That's it, stop messing with core issues. Well, now he's about to shift over and go, why were you guys arguing there's no resurrection? Oh, come on, your arguments are even stupid, right? He's like, let's get into this, okay? So let's talk about it. That's where we pick up the story. All right, 1 Corinthians 15.35. Which, by the way, how many of you are appreciative that do a recap before I go into the next sermon because you forgot everything I said last week? Praise <laughs> the Lord. Okay, good, good, good. That's fair. Everyone's like, yeah, I have no idea. Were you talking about cats? No, I wasn't talking about cats. You're not even paying attention. All right, let's move on. Here we go, 1 Corinthians 15.35. But someone will ask, meaning someone in your church, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, right? And, and, and he's calling them fools like in an Old Testament proverb is the way, right? Because they should have known. There are a bunch of things that we ask questions about. You know the answer. The problem is not information. The problem is emotional allowance, like there's stuff that we're asking. And we're like, God, I don't understand. And he's like, yeah, you do. Come on, stop messing with me, right? You know this. God, I don't know if I should marry this person they are currently divorcing somebody else and cheating on them with me. God, I don't know. And he's like, uh, really? Right? Hmm. How were the dead raised? What kind of body are they gonna come with? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that's gonna be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed, its own body. All right. For the original audience, they were like, hmm, that's good right? Well, to us, we're like, I'm sorry, what did you say? Because we don't live primarily in an agricultural environment. This was their every day. It was their job. It was, this was so obvious to them. He's like, all right, let's go to work real quick. When you go to work or your own fields, you sow seed. Is that correct? You literally fling it out there. You stick your hand in a bag, grab a bunch of little rock-like things. They're all kernels, seeds, right? And you're chucking them out into the, fo- into the field. He's like, that is sowing. The stuff you are throwing is going at some point, hopefully, to grow into something else. Is that correct? Everyone's like, oh yeah, we do that every day. He's like, I know, it's super basic, right? What comes up doesn't look like what you threw down. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's like, all right. So how does it do that? What you start with is not the final form. It can't do anything till it dies. Now, this is interesting because nowadays, we have all this analysis of how seeds work. And, but you gotta go back to the ancient world of practicality. You know when you go to Green Acres and you buy like a little seed pack and it goes... Right, you, you can feel it in there, right? And you got this little packet of seeds and you're like, I could totally throw that in my drawer for like years. And then all of a sudden pull it back out, stick it in the ground and what? It comes to life. This is weird. You're not even caring for it, but it's, it's loaded, it's front loaded with all this plant DNA concept, right? There's this idea that it, it's going to rise up. It, it has all this life hidden inside of it but it does not come alive until it's what? Buried. And he's like, ah, everybody tracking with me? Okay, cool. So we have all this loaded spiritual life in us and it's not going to come alive till we're buried. Everybody tracking on? Oh, that's weird. And what you put in the ground looks very different when it comes back up. That's all I'm trying to say. Super, super obvious. Now, when you grew up in elementary school, they always had the diagrams or they would have of the little seed, like it would break open and the little thing would come out, or you'd have the avocado seed. Everybody remember the avocado seed with the little things holding it up and it would come out? Okay. Most of us are familiar with this idea that it starts looking like a rock, but then it breaks open and it goes through a metamorphosis or a transformation. you're like, well, it's not really a death. Okay, whatever. He's like, listen, we're just being basic here. It basically dies in its form, and it takes on a new form. Oh, look, that's us. That's where he starts with, right? And then he said, he said, there's a ton of different seeds, and they all kind of produce different things, even from one to one. Not every Wheat piece looks exactly like another wheat piece. And then you start going, oh, God is really into variety, diversity, and uniqueness. That's you. Every single one of us are unique. You're like, well, I'm a twin. No, 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 no. You may have a lot of genetic similarities, but you have different personalities. You have different experiences. So everybody on this planet, whether we're going to play the fingerprint thing or the snowflake thing, there's variety where everyone is relatively unique. And there's something beautiful about who you are right now, but there's even more beauty in what you are becoming. You are becoming something that is so unique, so individualized. When we go to heaven, it's not like everyone's cookie cutter. Oh, now we're all the same thing. Do you remember when John the Revelator, John the Beloved, John the Disciple, you remember when he saw a vision of heaven, he was describing it and he said, and I saw every tribe, nation, and tongue. How did he know that? because they all looked different. Heaven is not one big cookie cutter, everybody's kind of one big kind of gray thing. Everyone becomes that beautiful, built-in, spirit-filled, blossoming thing that you're gonna show up into. What's it gonna look like? It's a lot different than what you are right now. Is it familiar? Yes, we'll talk about that. But it is so Beautifully different. We're gonna talk about why that's so important. All right, pick it up in verse 39. He said, let's talk about earth stuff and space stuff. For not all flesh or skin is the same. There's one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, meaning up in the sky. The glory of the heavenly is one kind, the glory of the earthly is another. There's one glory of the sun, Another glory of the moon, another glory of stars. And each star differs from star in glory. Okay, so a couple things about that. Let's talk about living beings, like the animal kingdom. He's like, notice how they're all built for what they really need to do, right? You can imagine that there's a fish and he has long hair. The fish is like, this is so uncomfortable. He's like trying to swim around. He keeps getting caught and things, right? And he's like, this is dumb. Fuzzy fish don't work. Y'all know what I'm saying? So he gives them scales so they're super aerodynamic and they can do what they need to do in the water. But then you have... Critters, animals that are in the cold, they have a certain way of having comfort by having either blubber or they have thick fur or whatever it is. They operate in the cold. Other ones operate in the desert, yeah? They are all specifically built for their environment. Do you really think that who you are, where you were born, where you live, and where you operate is an accident? Come on, he built you for where you're at. You're like, well, it's not good. Hold up, it is good. You're like, well, there's some problem. Oh, yeah, we're in a a smeared image of God world. We are in a fallen, broken world, so I'm not saying that everything's awesome. What I'm saying is, even in the brokenness, God knew where you needed to be to do what you needed to do. I'm gonna share this message as often as I can and it's this, comparison kills. Stop it. We don't need another one of them. We need you, that's it. If God needed another one of them, he would have made another one of them and it ain't you. We uniquely need you, the fullness of you because God built you that way. The world was not okay if you weren't in it so he made you right okay so he's like all right so he's very specific to design for environment okay well let's talk about some space stuff right like and I think this is powerful that we're going all the way back 2,000 years and he's like you know the stars differ from stars how the heck does he know you know what I mean? Like, when you look at it, you're like, oh, look, a shiny object, <laughs> right? I mean, it's not like he was had the Hubble telescope out there and figuring out, but he somehow, at that point, there's an understanding going, even stars differ from stars. And are all of them different? Yeah, they are. The moon does not give off its own light. Is that correct? It's reflecting the light of the Sun. Now, so the sun is kind of this big burning gas ball, and then you have like a a rock, which is the moon. All right, then the planet kind of sustains life. They're all very, very different. Saturn has the rings and, you know. uh, Did somebody just correct me on that one? You just freaked me out. All right, cool, 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 cool. I was like, no, no, Jupiter's the big one, okay. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. In 2006, Pluto got ripped off the list and I'm still angry about it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Pluto was a planet, now he's not a planet. Very angry about this. And here's why I'm angry about it. I had to memorize it as a planet. Every child should have to memorize it as a planet. The very idea that children today have it so easy that they would remember one less planet. I just don't think that's fair. I just, even if it's a mistake, you gotta eat it for the rest of all of life. You know what I'm talking about. All right, because if it was my reality, it should be everyone's reality. All right, now, here's the funny thing. Does anyone know why Pluto got bumped off the list? Now, it had a good 76-year run. Don't get me me wrong. But when it got wrongfully removed, anybody know why? So here's the funny thing. I'm preaching this last night, and this little kid goes... (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is awesome, let's go. And I was like, what's up, bro? And he goes, it does not have its own gravitational pull. And I was like, oh, snap, that's right. <laughs> and I was like, cause I didn't know how it was really gonna go, right? I didn't know if he would be like, cause Scooby Doo, so, you know, I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen, dead on. Okay, so here's why, that there are three things that require a planet to be a planet. Pluto had two of them, but the third one is literally that it is, it is able to create its own gravitational pull to such a degree that it eliminates all other objects within its vicinity. So in other words, it clears its area. So if you think about Earth, we have the moon, but we don't have a bunch of stuff close to us like hitting us and stuff, that's been eliminated. Okay, because of that, it's no longer a planet. It's called a dwarf planet, I don't know if I mentioned, I'm a little bitter about this. Have I mentioned this? Okay, fantastic. All of this design, God made all these so unique. He could have just made one type of everything. He didn't because he loves diversity. He loves difference. He loves variety. He loves beauty. And that's you and me, yeah? All right. God always designs properly for environment and purpose. All right, let's jump to verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, meaning what is cast out initially, the first phase form. What is sown is perishable, it dies. But what is raised afterwards, phase two, is imperishable, eternal. What is, it is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural phase, there's a spiritual phase. Okay. We were built with bodies that work here, yeah? Oh, look, it's gonna have a gravitation to it. We gotta have little locomotion opportunities, our legs, right? Little critters can crawl around. Okay, so we can operate in this environment with these laws and this reality. Okay, cool, but what if all that shifts? The next one has totally different laws, totally different rules, totally different reality, so we're not fit yet for that we got to go through some type of metamorphosis so we can be ready for there does that make sense it should be super super practical we need a body fit for heaven now some of it is going to be familiar and some of it is going to be no eye has seen nor ear heard nor mind conceived the things that God has in store for us right So in some ways, it's kind of mind-blowing. He said, let me just kind of go through off the top of my head kind of four ways that I think we practically need to change to go from here to there. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. It's just a sample. He's like, all right, we need to go from temporary to permanent, yeah? Temporary to permanent. In heaven, there is no time. There is no decay. There is no degradation. So we need bodies that will continue to thrive without breakdown. We need bodies that are suited for forever. Okay, now, have you guys ever thought about eternity? Man, that'll just freak you out. I mean, have you thought about it? This whole idea of forever? Uh, Because the more and more you kind of chew on it, this kind of more unsettling it becomes. Think about Everything we talk about in this world, we are using the limitations of our universe. For example, uh, hey dude, you wanna hang out tomorrow? Yeah, okay, well, let's do it in the morning. Well, I'm gonna get up about, I don't know, get about 7.30, how about we meet around eight? Everything you just said is here. You're gonna get up. What do you mean you're gonna get up? That means that you were exhausted, so you had to go recharge and then get back up. That means you live in decay and degradation. You started using a phrase, I'm gonna get up at what? You started using time, 8 o'clock. What do you mean time? In eternity, there's no time. Things just are. It's the same way where God always was beforehand. You're now heading into his always is. Like, how does that even work, right? And everything we talk about is so this world. But what if all those laws change? Okay. Now, most of you are kind of like, oh, that's moderately interesting, somewhat boring. But there's some of you that are, that are like little softies, right? Like you kind of overanalyze stuff and, and this is kind of freaks you out. You're like, ah, another reason I shouldn't go to church, right? Because <laughs> you're like, I wasn't freaked out until you started saying that. Now I am thinking about it and it's making me weird out. Okay, about 12 years old, my youngest daughter, Andy, she comes to me, and she's like, Dad, I, don't, I have a question for you, and I don't, I don't know how to say it, but I'm super scared of heaven. I don't, I don't understand eternity, and it's really making me anxious, right? And uh, totally fair, and I think uh, all of us, you know, at some point have to think through it, but some of us are a little bit more sensitive when we start understanding thing. And I said, all right, babe, let me tell you how I see it, okay? I said, sit down for a second. Do you think that a worm would be scared to be you? She was like, I'm sorry, what? And I said, well, let's talk about it. Can you imagine that a worm was gonna be like, you know what you're gonna be? You're gonna be that little girl. You're gonna be a girl that's gonna grow up. You have to eventually go through education. You gotta go to school. You gotta make sure that you pack your lunch every day you got to be able to grow up. You're probably going to end up having kids of your own. You have a job. you got to pay taxes. you got to, like, and I just kept going, do you think that's not going to freak out a worm? The worm's like, I don't even have arms. <laughs> right? I'm just a worm. And I said, don't you think that'd be scary? And I said, but you're already there are you uncomfortable being a human? She goes, no. I said, no, of course not, because God prepared you exactly for that. It's normal to you. And when there's a shift, it's absolutely normal. Everything just feels right, because that's how God prepares. She was like, oh, what was interesting is in that moment, her anxiety shifted off and she was able to move on. Now, I say that for you because some of you, that is a little unsettling. Just know this, God knows how to not just prepare the outside, he knows how to prepare the inside, and when you're there, it's totally normal. Does that make sense? All right, good, one person thought so. <laughs> he said we need bodies that go from dishonor to glory. That means from common to extraordinary, from regular too beautiful. It's it's this idea of practical to something complex. And, and, you know, it's interesting because we go back to the Garden of Eden and and we start looking at how they operated at the beginning. And at the beginning, they were were naked and there was no shame and all and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden something shifted and changed in their relationship. And we started living behind walls. And, and I started thinking about it when I was looking at this. And I was thinking, you know the phrase that you hear uh, in weddings, which is, till death do us part. Have you guys heard that? Till death, why do you think people say that? Well, it's actually a biblical concept. That there's no marriage in heaven, right? Which is interesting because I found that throughout the years on my anniversary, when I sign a card for my wife, when I'm dead, I'm out. You know what I'm saying? Like... Uh, <laughs> I found that it's not as romantic. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I, I, I say things like, it's almost over. You know what I mean? I, I say stuff like that. She stopped opening my cards. I don't know why. But anyway, not everyone said I was romantic. So let's move on. That there's this idea and some, <laughs> some, some of you are like, okay, I'm not married yet. You're, you're, you're freaking me out, <laughs> right? You're like, I'm just getting there, right? I don't wanna lose my person. Well, here's what's interesting about it. The reason why there's no marriage in heaven is because we don't have the same dangers. And here's what I mean. Marriage is a safety design. Because here's what it means. When we go back to the garden, everything was totally wide open. Oh, you're safe, I'm safe, we're all good. The minute we said no to God, and sin entered into the world, we went, if you're gonna say no to God, you're gonna, what would you do to me? Like, he's really important. You're gonna hurt me. All of a sudden, wall, 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 wall went up. We're like, I I feel embarrassed to be open in front of you because you may point out something that I'm insecure about. I didn't even realize you're a bad guy. And then all of a sudden, we started having dangerous relationships everywhere. People were using other people and you didn't know who you could count on. And God institutes this concept of safety. I have my person, I can invest in my person. There's accountability and protection to try to hold us together and keep danger out. But what if there are no bad guys? What if everyone is healthy and whole and seeking your best? Now there's no more walls needed. There's no more safety measures needed. Now all of a sudden you have an interaction with family members or non-family members and you get to be able to engage with the glory of that person with no damage. Why would you need a safety measure? You don't. It doesn't mean that we're not having closeness. It doesn't mean that we don't have the intimacy of it. It doesn't mean that we don't have the connection. It doesn't even mean that they're not familiar to us. It means we don't have to be afraid. That's crazy. What a beautiful world. He said, we need a body that goes from weakness to power. What does he mean? Well, we're kind of fragile. He's not trying to diminish how cool we are, right? The Bible says in Psalm 139, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We should be stunned at the glory of what God built in us, right? But comparatively to where we're becoming, we're kinda basic. And the whole idea of being fragile, right? Like think about how angels interact. Could we fight an angel? No, of course not. Why? The angel's moving in dimensions. Shows up, gone, shows up, hits you on the head, gone, hits you in the head again. Right? Like there's no way you can go head to head with an angel. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament came into a camp of 185,000 Assyrian soldiers and slaughtered them in one night. Okay, we are not as strong as heavenly beings, They're faster and better at everything. We are, in that sense, lower than the angels. When we get glorified, the weakness and fragility is no longer a factor. That's what he meant. He said this, we gotta go from natural to supernatural. That means a heavier integration of the spirit part of us becomes in play. All right, that's great. Go to verse 45. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, great, human being. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual, phase one, phase two. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust, so also are all human beings who are of dust, as is the man of heaven, Jesus, so all believers are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of Adam, a human being, we as Christians will bear the image of Jesus, the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. All right, Adam, Jesus. We've been talking about this kind of contrast, and he was like Adam had the body appropriate for here, but Jesus, when he resurrected, we got to see a glimpse of his glorified body, and it was kind of weird. You guys remember this? Okay, so Jesus gets up and he shows up to the disciples, has a bunch of different people he interacts with. What was his body like? Well, in one sense, it was familiar. He would show up and they're like, my Lord. And they try to, you know, remember Mary Magdalene was like trying to tackle him. You remember that? She was like, you're back. Ah," And she grabs and he's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm transitioning out of this stuff, right? Like, hold on a second. I'm not not quite there yet. But the disciples, they knew he was different enough, but it said they didn't dare ask who it was because they kind of knew who it was, but he looked a little bit different and then he comes in and does like weird stuff they had the door locked you guys remember this and he's like just shows up he's like hi they're like, ah! right and he's like and they're like oh my gosh you went through a door and he's like i know cool right and they're like wow that's really awesome and, he, and they're like oh no you're a ghost that's so weird and he's like no 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 i'm not a ghost look you can touch me all right peter Psh, right like <laughs> that's what i would have done but that, he didn't do that He's like, you can touch my hands. You can touch my side where I was pierced. Like, I'm, I'm tangible. I'm not some weird uh, uh, spirit being and ball orb thing. Like, look at me. I'm totally same guy, right? Like, which, by the way, if Jesus would have walked into a room of women, I don't think they would have touched him. I think they would have said, oh, we're good. I believe you. Guys are like, dude, I'll touch you right now. Can I just, ew, it's gooey, right? And they're like poking and you know. I just think it's a little different. Anyway, and then Jesus is, do you remember the two disciples walking to the, on the road to Emmaus? And, and Jesus like shows up and he's like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, talking about Jesus. He's like, oh, who's that? And they're like, he's totally famous. Okay, well, it's him. How did they not know it was him? Well, either he's morphing his image or he's allowing them to not see him correctly, but there's something different about him, Right? So there's familiarity, but something's different. And I think in heaven, now that wasn't the final form, but the idea is we will be able to recognize one another, but kinda. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen someone go from really bad disease to health. But when you see something like that, you go, I almost didn't recognize you, right? Because you look in their eyes and you're like, oh, it's totally you. But their outward looks so healthy and vibrant and different. You go, I would have missed you in a crowd. I think there's going to be a lot of that in heaven. Somebody comes up and they're like, what's up? And you're like, uh, who, who are you? Dad. Okay, that was weird. Like, oh my gosh. Right? Because... A lot of us, we see people pass from this life and they're, they're almost like in a shell of who they used to be. And you're like, well, that's, that doesn't look like dad how I remember dad. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's because in heaven, he is a more fully realized man of God. And you're like, wow, you look awesome. Does that make sense? All right, so... He moves on, verse 51. He's like, hold on, I got a mystery for you guys. I got something exciting to tell you. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In the Bible, when it says sleep, sometimes it means what? Death. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised immortal. We shall be changed. Okay, what's he talking about? He's like, hold up, everybody needs a body that is transformed for the new place. Yeah? Okay, what if you're alive when Jesus comes back? Because we all think about the process of our little seed cracking open and letting life come out means that we die. But what if you're alive and Jesus shows up? Like, what's gonna, you're like, oh, hold on, oh, I'm back up. Okay, cool, let's go. You know. They, Jesus is like, we're good, I gotcha. Because in a twinkling of an eye, that's faster than a blink, that's faster than a wink. That's that little glistening thing, right? In the twinkling of an eye, bam, everybody's got their new body. And he's like, you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Not everybody has to go through the death process, but everybody's gotta go through the change process. And Jesus is like, we're good. If you're alive or dead, we're all good, I gotcha. Right, that was it. And what's the last trumpet? In prophecy, God is always trying to convey to us stuff in the future that we couldn't fully grasp. So he uses a lot of metaphor, imagery, stuff like that. Well, in the book of Revelation, he kind of lays out and he's like, there's a bunch of stuff that needs to happen at the end. And to keep it kind of orderly in your thoughts, I'm gonna use some analogies. Well, the angels have a scroll and there's a whole bunch of seals broken on the scroll that keeps it orderly. Well, there's a whole bunch of bowls. Well, there's a whole bunch of trumpets. And all it's doing is keeping everything orderly so we can understand what he's talking about. The last trumpet call is when Jesus says, all done, let's go. That's this. Because the trumpet was the ancient way to call people to order hey, everybody, we're making an adjustment. It's time for battle or it's time to gather, whatever. Dun, 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 right, you guys know what I'm talking about? A little bugle thingy. All right, the idea is a trumpet says signals shift. Cool, we get a trumpet, everybody's ready to go. Let's do this. That's all it means. Look at verse 53. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on Immortality, and when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is prophetically written in Isaiah 25 and Hosea 13, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is in the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus gets done with us, no more enemies, no more fear, no more loss, no more grief, no more dying. That's it, amen? Praise God. Yeah, because this is the thing that's been terrorizing us the whole time. Because originally, Satan could be a bully, and he was like, you know, you could totally die. You know, you could totally die. And that kind of fear-mongering was kind of how Satan got his way, where he would kind of push us around. But then Jesus Christ dies on the cross, embarrasses the enemy, and says, my children are free. And all of a sudden, he kind of lost one of his best tools, right? But we are still going to transform through death and we're still not cool with it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I know it's not permanent. I know it's not bad, but I haven't died before. It's really new. (laughs) And so we're all a little bit uncomfortable with this idea. He's like, but when Jesus gets done giving us our new bodies, there's nothing left to worry about. If sin is gone, the enemies are gone, and death is gone, we're good. What are you worried about? And this is what's such a beautiful peace that's supposed to come over the family of God. This is all about hope and joy and all that. He said this, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. He said, guys, if all this is true, and it is, there's two things I need you to do. Number one, don't let Satan move you off your spot. Okay, Jesus gave you your spot. You're my child. We're going somewhere. We're doing good things. Don't you dare let Satan bully you off your spot. It's your spot. If he comes at you with some, oh, look at your past, say, take that up with Jesus. He died for that. Oh, look at your present. You're, you're, you're a loser, blah, 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 condemnation. Oh, well, that's interesting you bring that up because Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, So he even dealt with that. Oh, I'm gonna terrorize you and you're gonna die. Well, my Jesus kind of took care of that too. Well, you're gonna, what do you got? Because at the end of the day, you don't got anything. My Jesus took care of it all. Okay, so there's some of us in this room that just need that reminder. Don't let him move you off your spot, right? And then there's others of us that need a little fire lit under our, our tushies. You understand what I'm talking about? that he's like, God like built you with all this power and we're simply binging Netflix. You know what I mean? And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on, hold on, hold on. No, we get out there and we do stuff. Go be a Christian. Go love on somebody, care for somebody, provide for somebody, heal somebody, cast demons out of somebody. I don't even care what you're doing. Get out there and use your blessings to bless other people. This whole business about God did all this radical, universal, supernatural transformation, and you're just still sitting there. That doesn't make sense. You guys, it's true. Get out and be a Christian. That's it. All right. So here's how we're, 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 gonna, we're gonna close. Uh, one last thought. You know, for a lot of us, when we talk about new bodies in heaven and stuff, uh, for a lot of us, it's, it's a sweet idea, right? Because we carry around fresh memory of what's wrong with us. Man, I wish I was taller. I wish I was shorter. I wish I was prettier. I wish I was more handsome. I wish I was smarter. I wish, right? I mean, we we all play this game because we're analyzing and saying, I've seen better, right? So when we talk about new bodies in heaven, it's sweet. But then there's some of us on this planet, it's more than sweet. You see, my mom was a, a registered nurse growing up. And when I was 11, she started her own business, Action Home Nursing Services. And she created a in-home pediatric care where she would provide nurses around the clock for kids that are on ventilators, kids that were in wheelchairs, that had to be suctioned, people that had to deal with different uh, body issues, disabilities. So I grew up, seeing other kids that didn't play tag like I play tag. You know what I'm talking about? Where I grew up, where it wasn't just a sweet idea that I would get a new body, it was everything. Some of us are like, I wish I was taller, and other people are going, I just wish I could go to the bathroom on my own. (laughs) Some of us are saying, you know, well, gosh, I wish... I wish I was smarter and somebody said, you know, I wish my legs worked. So some of us, when we're able-bodied and everything, we kind of look at this and we're like, oh, that's a good passage. There's others of us, this is our hope passage. You know what I'm talking about? And then for some of us, it may not be physical. It may be, I so long for the day when I'm not afraid anymore. So longing for the day the voices are not in my head I so long for the day where I could sleep through the night and not have insomnia. So I don't know what it is, but I think that when he says, thanks be to God, I think that at this moment, wherever we're at in our lives, our heart should well up with gratitude. Because if it ain't fixed yet, he's working on it. Amen? Let's close in prayer. And could I have the prayer team come on up here? If you need prayer... At the end of each service, we have our prayer team up here. They would love to pray with you. If you're watching online, I got something for you right after. Please do not uh, tune out. Just hang on with me for one second. And then what we're going to do is I'm just going to pray and we'll dismiss. Cool? Heavenly Father, we praise you this morning. We praise you as that kind and loving Father. We praise you for the patience, for the sweetness. We praise you, God, for seeing us when no one else can fully see us. Lord, that when we talk about our problems, other people can only handle a tiny part, but you can handle all of it. God, I just pray that for those of us that are being pushed off our spot by the enemy, would you give us boldness and confidence and strength and power that we would say, no, you don't get to do that. God, there's some of us that just need a fire lit, that we need to get out there and be able to say, I can do something for the kingdom of God. I can bless my neighbor. I can handle something for my coworker. I can pray for somebody. God, would you just equip us with the mindset of looking to help, that we would not just constantly be caught off guard, or we would actually be actively perceptive of the needs that you are highlighting around us. God, if we have the ability to answer it and the need is right in front of us, that's probably a good calling for today. So God, we are just saying we are in. What you wanna do, we wanna partner with you. So God, would you just breathe confidence into us, encouragement into us, strength into us that we might be able to go out and be the blessing you built us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.